are you somebody who enjoys looking after your body? If you didn't already know, through the London Physio, my very own brand, I have now released some fitness products that are practical. If you're somebody that travels and someone who loves working out at the gym or you love working out at home and you love using your own products, then these will definitely be for you. We have all sorts from double-sided gym mats to foam rollers to massage balls to resistance bands, the long ones, the short ones, the looped ones, the glutes bands, weighted skipping ropes, we have them all. So if you are someone who really enjoys looking after your body and you enjoy having lightweight products that you can take with you wherever you are, then these will definitely be for you. So if you want to get your hands on any of our products, my Linktree link is linktr.ee forward slash Joy Agude. That's J-O-Y October Golf Umbrella Delta Echo, where you'll find all the links to each and every product. I hope you enjoy using them. And if you do, don't forget to leave us a review. What goes in your body, it can reverse illness, it can cause illness. My sister has an autoimmune disease called lupus. Going through what she went through, it was like a wake up call for me. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Life for Self podcast. My name is Joy. As you know, I'm so excited that season two is kicking off with some exciting people. Like, literally, I'm not even going to lie. These are people I just want to be friends with. I'm just like using my podcast as an excuse to hang out with them because people are busy, people are traveling, people are living life. I'm like, wait for me. So I'm I'm using this time to hang out with people I want to hang out with, but also to learn, to share, to um, to be part of. And I think that's, well, not just I think, I absolutely know that that's where we're heading as a community on life herself, to become a community, to become, you know, a group of people that want to learn from each other, that want to share with each other. And I am just super duper excited to literally have this amazing human being. On today's episode, we have Coach Kelly. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for doing this. Like I, you know how much I love you already. I'm like, literally, you're such a light. You, you're always smiling. Your content is just sunshine and just your, everything about you is positivity. I love your brand. I love what you stand for. And honestly, I'm just so grateful that you are here today. So thank you and welcome to life herself. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and can we also just say 6.53 now a.m. <laughs> she is squeezing us in. You're currently in America. Yeah. And you are, you were, you were squeezing this in. So I'm, I really appreciate the effort. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're, welcome. You're welcome. So for some people who have obviously been living under a rock, can you please tell us a little bit about you? I am a fitness and wellness coach and I'm obsessed with helping people realize their best selves. And I, I do that through, um, African dance fitness, through cultural travel, through community service and through motivation. And so, um, I'm based in Ghana. Um, my mother and I were originally from Ghana, based in Ghana, but we travel all over the world. We have an African dance fitness program called Kukwa Fitness. 
um, which allows you to travel Africa without your passport through music and dance. And then we physically take people on uh, cultural retreats with their passport uh, around Africa. And then we have a nonprofit foundation that we could give back to within with uh, throughout Africa as well. So, um, yeah, we're just about fitness, wellness, um, love to dance. I'm a danceaholic personally. I've seen uh, those moves. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, I have yeah. seen the moves. <laughs> um, really, really love to work out, but because we're also danceaholics, um, doing it through dance and representing Africa at the same time. So, yeah. And just, I, I love that. I really do. Like everything about you just screams Africa. And then like, you know, I even want to go into like, you know, mom doing it with mom, like that in itself is, hello, how are we existing with our African mom by our side the whole time? Like, <laughs> like I just think that's, so, it's so rare, you guys. And like, it's such a blessing to be able to be with your mom, work with your mom, run a business with your mom, meet so many people with your pretty much living with your mom. And in the process, you're making this, when I say living, I don't mean living necessarily in the same space, but like living, you know, like, um, I don't want to say existing because that's not what you're doing. You're thriving with your mom. Actually, that's probably the best way to put it. But in the process, you are also touching so many lives. You are changing lives and you're changing the, the story, you know, like a lot of people, obviously on this side of the world, in America, in the UK, in, in the West, basically, you know, people think Africa, people are struggling, people, <laughs> you know, I'm Nigerian, so we're neighbors, sis, like Ghana, Nigeria. I grew up in Nigeria. I'm, I'm fully Nigerian. And I know that is not our story. I know that that is not, you know, the way that we are portrayed in the West is definitely not the reality. And here you are through dance, through fitness, through motivation through wellness, through something so positive, here you are changing all of that and actually almost inviting people to experience Africa, you know? How did that come about? How did you guys sit and figure out that this is this was your calling? This is what you wanted to do? The Well, the inviting people to Africa part came from people being in class and saying, you know, we're dancing to music from Zimbabwe, from Botswana, from Ghana, from Nigeria. We're dancing to music from all over the place. We would love to go. And so we said, oh, we should actually take people. And I used to bring my friends from America all the time to Ghana. And um, they always were like, we have such a blast. We should you should do something. Um, and so that's how the travel, the travel retreats came about. But Kukwa Fitness was started by my mother. Um, she actually started it way before I was even born. And so she even broke her water teaching a class with me. I heard that story and with your sister too, not just you. Yes. Mom was like, this one is not enough. Let's do twice. Right. <laughs> so she's actually the one that, because she came, yeah, early. She came to uh, U.S. early 80s. And so the Jane Fondas and stuff were doing their mm. jumping jacks and push-ups and stuff. And she's like, well, I want to dance. Like I want, let's introduce something different. And so, um, so yeah, she introduced that from a while ago, but it just started to become more popular in previous years. 
Yeah. And you know what's so inspirational about that as well? Like when you think about our parents' generation, like even our generation, (laughs) I don't know if you've, well, you definitely wouldn't have felt the pressure because mom kind of broke that, you know, she stood in, in, in that at that gate, essentially. But a lot of African parents would be like, if you're not a doctor, if you're right. a lawyer. lawyer. <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean? Like mine was medicine. I grew up thinking it's medicine or nothing. Like that's who I'm going to be. I'm going to be a doctor, you know? And then I ended up being a physio, almost like a compromise, really. I was, I literally had to make a deal with my parents. And I was literally like, I don't want to be a doctor. I actually don't like medicine. Like I hate the smell of medicine. I hate being in hospitals. Why don't I do something like it? But you know what I love about your story? Like mom in the 80s would have had it even harder, I'm guessing, from her parents. But she stood her ground. And I I was looking into mom's story and mom did other things too, you know, but fitness was always there. Dance was always there. And then there you come literally into the world as she's teaching a class your water's breaking <laughs> you know and I just think what a beautiful childhood you would have had you know knowing that there are different possibilities open to you other than the doctor lawyer <laughs> or failure you know like what a what an amazing like just talk me through that like was there any pressure to be anything um was it easier because mom had pretty much stood in that gate and kind of stopped the generational pressure shall we say like what was it for you what do you remember growing up um we've always known my mom to do this so it was like you know but what what was interesting is seeing people always laughing at her culturally on the not on the american side or the uk side or but on the African side, like get a real job. What are you doing? And I'm not believing in her and her doing it anyways, which really shouted volumes. Cause it's like, well, she believes in what she's doing and regardless of people are laughing, she's going to do it. Um, and so that showed us to do what you believe in, regardless of people were laughing, um, which has a lot to do with another reason why we started our nonprofit, which is focused on the youth because the African youth, if they can see it, then they know a lot of them, you know, grew up in environments where maybe they they don't see what they want to be or it's discouraged, like you said. And so resources and funding so that they can make their passions, their professions, which is something that's like unheard of in a lot of places because they're like, what? You like to dance? Why would you do that? Do something that makes money. But because the older generation never saw that as a moneymaker or they never saw certain things. So a lot of people, their mind can only comprehend what they can see. Mm. And so that's what's happened with the older generation. So once that money starts rolling in, they'll keep quiet. Yeah. but (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. Like, oh, Cass, yes, my sisters, aunties, uncles, daughters. Be like, yeah, that's how we're related. She's doing so well. They claim claim it for themselves too. (laughs) All of a sudden, but before it was like, wait, what? You know, so, um, so yeah, it, it just it, she just really showed us like no matter what you do, what makes sense for you, um, and what you actually believe in, and so it did make make the the process simpler in terms of what we wanted to do. Um, I used to work in corporate in advertising. Um, it's actually a UK company, Ogilvy. I don't know if you've heard of it before, but. No. Um, there's an advertising agency called Ogilvy that I used to work for. 
Okay. Um, but I would teach class after work and during lunchtime. Um, and even in, in uni, that's how I made money. I would teach classes. Um, and so, yeah, so it's always been a, a part of my life in some way. Yeah. Uh, but before that, and we can get into that later, I didn't always follow uh, nutritional wise and lifestyle wise. I thought right. I could buy certain things and yeah, we can get into that. But I was always into sports and stuff, but just not, I didn't really reflect what my mom was pushing. Gotcha. I actually do want to get into that. I, I want to delve deep because I mean, for everyone listening as, as a kind of like, we're talking about the fact that maybe physically, according to the world and how a physical body should look at some point in your life, you didn't necessarily look like you do now. You didn't portray the healthy and, and then looking at mom being so healthy and so, you know, dance and, and not even just fitness, but like wellness was so sort of buried deep into her. And I, I feel like that's the thing about passion. You know, sometimes passion is something that we all struggle with. We're like, oh, what is it that we are passionate about? Like, what am I passionate about? Um, but it always finds its way out regardless of how you uh, suppress it or regardless of whatever the struggles might be, whether it's physical, mental, peer pressure, pressure from parents, whatever it is, like, you know, working a corporate job and then still teaching fitness on the side, like you would, that passion would always find its way. That's how I I honestly feel, you know, um, our, our gifts express themselves, you know, whatever it is that you'll put on this earth to do, regardless of what avenue you want to go down or, you know, you will always find your way back. And I, I strongly believe, you know, when, especially using this example of, should we just call it weight gain? Because I feel like that's probably the simplest form to put it, but really it's a lot deeper than that. Like there's just so much underneath that, um, from a spiritual perspective, from a, and I don't know if you're spiritual actually. So I do want to go, I really want to go into, into that. Um, but I just, I, I'm so happy that your gift found its way out. And ultimately it's never really about how we look, is it? You know, that's just, that's what the world tells us that this is how healthy should look. I'm like, no, you're healthy. Mom's healthy. I'm healthy. We all look different. Right. But eventually that gift finds its way out. Um, now, can I ask, is it, would you say that because mom was kind of down, was going down the route of dancing, like did that influence you in any way? Which is a really silly question to ask because of course, you know, people, our parents influence us and their passions influence us. Um, but was that a heavy influence for you or was it something that you deeply felt was your calling? I think. Again, if you see something, it's easier to to think about how it works and how it looks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she because I saw it in a profession standpoint and not just as a hobby, I saw that as an option in life. Yeah. But in this, I didn't necessarily always wanted to do that because I did do it on the side to my corporate job um, until I decided I wanted to do it full time, but there was never a pressure except for her saying like, you need to join me or you need to ever, she never, ever pressured. Right. Um, but we, because we saw it and we and because we saw that that's actually an option, it became one. So we're like, okay. And yeah, when we were younger, my mom used to sit us down and say, 
you guys can't play yet. You have to look at my new routine. And we're like, no. <laughs> I was like, just tell her. Just tell her. Mama, so I'm <laughs> Can I go outside? <laughs> tell her it's amazing. So, we can <laughs> so, um, so then we would sit down our Barbie dolls and be like, sit down and watch our routine because my mom would sit us down. So we'd right, sit down. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then what? You were doing the dances to the doll. <laughs> Yeah, I I really love that because when you think about influences, you know, there's so many things that influence us deeply, you know, um, trauma being one of them from our parents and especially, you know, African parents in our sort of Africanness. There's so much that we've come through um, and we are still going through as a, I want to say race, but it, it's it's more than that, you know? Um, and when you really think about the dynamics between an African mother and an African uh, daughter in particular, I feel like there's, there can be, and obviously there are different variations of this and we all have our different experiences, but they, it can or it, it could be the other way around too. Um, where there's a lot of friction or your your mom is teaching you to be the wife, <laughs> shall we say. Um, but I just, I really, when I think about your mother's story and I think about your relationship from what we see on the outside, and this is where I'm, I'm hoping to get some insight um, into what your relationship is truly like. Um, when I think about that, it gives me hope. I'm like, wow, like not everyone's dynamic, not every mother-daughter, African mother-daughter dynamic is, you know, cook well so you can be a great wife. <laughs> like, you know, like um, there is this entrepreneurial side. There's this kind of explorative side. There's this live as you like, you know, live as you want to live, live as you truly want to express yourself that I see in your dynamic. But you know, from the inside, um, can you tell me a bit more about that? Like, I'm sure you have arguments and things like that. I'm sure it's hard to work with your mom because she's your mom. But like, what is it? What does it feel like for you when you're reflecting on your relationship with mom? Um, what does what is, what comes to mind? I think the word grateful, because I saw so many other moms that weren't like that. And I didn't know that I, my mom normalized she normalized traveling. She normalized exploring other cultures. She normalized, um, yeah, making your passion your profession. She normalized a lot of things that weren't normal, that I thought were normal because she made it normal. Right. Uh, until I hung out with my other friends and met how their moms are. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. If you know, you know. Uh, <laughs> it's <right>. true. <laughs> um, and not to say, like, at the end of the day, she's still African mom. So it's still like, you know, if I if she comes to my my room or my house or my and says, like, Cassis is not clean. What kind of, is someone, nobody will marry you if you don't do, if you don't go clean or if you don't, it's still, you know, it's still there. But it's just in a different way. <laughs> um, or, um, yeah, the ba- we still had a cultural foundation, but with the, with the open-minded freedom. Um, so she really let us explore other, other things. And, um, and, and the idea of, um, I'm telling you the good first. Yeah, no, tell me. <laughs> um, Layer it however you want to. <laughs> the idea of um of looking good and feeling good. 
I've actually never worn a t-shirt and sweatpants to the gym or never seen my mom wear that. I've never seen her wear that to bed. She always wore lingerie. I used to wear lingerie in my, I had used to wear like when I was in uni, I used to think that was normal. Like, cause she normalized looking good to, she had her little cute little bras and her little, and that's what I thought people wore to the gym. Like, I'm like, oh, we have to go to the gym. So we have to wear our spandex and our little bra. And so when I saw other people were like, oh, we got to wear it. They're like, what are you wearing? I'm like, my pajamas. They're like, that's lingerie. That's not pajamas. I'm like, <laughs> that's what my mom, that's what we, we <laughs> that's what we wear at home. Right. <laughs> we wear this to bed. <laughs> like my mom always wore like, yeah, Victoria's Secret, this and that. Like, that's what she, and she's like, Kaz, if you look good, you feel good. That's how yes. you're going to be. And that's how we, yeah. And that so. Freedom. So yeah, to work out, we always like in other people's minds, it was dress up, but we didn't really dress up. It was, that was what we wore to work out or um, yeah, to go to bed or to go anywhere. Even if you're going down the street, you say, you don't know who you're going to see, fix up. That's uh, true. <laughs> you <always say> that. <laughs> Put your makeup on, you don't know who's going to show up. <laughs> your husband in the elevator. <laughs> I'm like, do I do that when I'm going to the toilet too? Like, <laughs> like at what point do we draw the line? <laughs> like, when I go down and get the mail though, take the bins right. out, like, what point do we draw the line? <laughs> so, yeah, it was like, it was a combination of like, African mom principles, but with worldly flexibility. Yeah, I love that. Um, And so that was really good. But yeah, we approach things differently, perspective-wise a lot. And so um, sometimes we bump heads a little bit with that. But because our relationship is strong, we just say like, okay, agree to disagree. Right. Um, Because we see things a little bit differently, sometimes perspective-wise. But it's a reminder that yeah, the world is just seen as how you see it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's like any relationship, actually. And let me just drop a little, little bomb, not, I don't know why I called it bomb, but like um, something I learned today. Uh, So this is a story about the lake and the person, right? So, you know, when water's still, when you look in a lake, you could see two things. You could see the water or you could see your reflection. (laughs) And this is going somewhere because I, I heard it today and I was just like, wow, that's so deep. Um, talking about seeing things, you know, different perspectives, it's it's so natural because if you had so many people standing in front of a lake, you'd have some people seeing just their reflection. And even within that, they would see, oh, I look fat. Oh, I look this. Well, and then you have someone going, damn, I look good. Like, you know, and then you you would have other people rather than seeing their reflection, seeing the reflection of the trees on the water you know, and looking at nature is beautiful. And just looking at this, this mass of water is like just this mirror that reflects all the beauty there is in nature. And they're sitting there appreciating it, watching all these birds fly over the water, but they're seeing it on the water, you know, and I just, it, I I heard it today and thought, how gorgeous is that description of seeing life differently. But what it, what the conclusion of that was, is that life is really what you say it is. You know, life isn't the way our perspective is formed by something, either formed by our upbringing, our environment or whatever. But 
ultimately life is, the life you're living is different to the life I'm living, but it's still the same world. The same things are happening, the same summers and winters and, you know, plants and animals and stuff, but we're experiencing it differently because we have our perspectives, which in quote is really just our blockages. And I thought it was so deep. I thought literally to the point where I was like, I need to make a whole podcast episode (laughs) on this actual thing. And I just love how you've explained it beautifully. And, you know, it's, it's, you're, it's expected. Why shouldn't you? You grew up differently. She's mom, your daughter, you know, but I, what I love about Kukua Fitness is the merge. I love the merge. And I love how like you've actually now taken, obviously mom started this, she moved to the US and she started the dancing and, and started off as dance classes. And here you are in 2023, girl, doing retreats, <laughs> taking people all around the damn world, you know? And I just love that merge. I love what you're bringing to the table, how you've taken what mom has done so well and pretty much like taken it off to a, a completely different level. Can you just talk about what that meant for you? Like what, um, in terms of the sort of addition, uh, the, the going abroad and the retreats and everything else, because obviously people can say, yeah, can we do this in Ghana? But you have to sit and plan. You have to strategize. There's a lot of work that goes, you know, you have to build those relationships on ground. You have to make sure that this is a full experience for people. And at the same time, you have to make sure it's fulfilling for you. So what does, how did, how did you kind of come up with that idea um, of retreats and how did you make it happen? What were the difficulties you faced and and ultimately the success that that's now brought to the table and Kukua Fitness as as it is? So yeah, we wanted to bring Kukua Fitness uh, to life for a better, for lack of explanation. When I say, when we say to life, meaning what people were experiencing in the classroom to life. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're like, yeah, I feel like I'm in Africa in class. So they wanted to physically go. Um, and so we figured why not start in Ghana since that's home and we already have the relationships already. So it was easy to start in Ghana because, and I don't want to say easy because business in Africa in general easy is not as synonymous. <laughs> um, <laughs> we all know that. <laughs> but it's easier and, yeah. and it makes sense because that's home already. Um, you know, the uh, the thing, the challenges are, you know, just um, the same level of quality control, the same level of customer service, the same level that is expected in Europe and U- US. If you're bringing that clientele, you you just have to, we learn quickly that you have to manage expectations that UK, this is not. <laughs> so don't come with that. Don't come with that expectation of, you know, um, systems and processes and customer service because it's a little bit different because, you know, Africa, Ghana, specific countries, different places have customer service, but it looks different. Mm. Yeah, it, It's maybe not in the same way as as like, I'm going to get your order out in five minutes. Maybe it's you fell down on the street and the whole street is running down the street to pick you up because you fell. Maybe, um, you know, you, your car broke down and everybody's stopping over to help you. Or like, it's a different type of customer service. It's more community 
or maybe just things look different and are, are, are done differently. So we just manage people's expectations, which has worked really well. Um, because in the beginning when people, let's say, and you know, in Nigeria too, if there's a light out and let's say the generator is acting up or something like that, which is not common in Europe or, or um, America because things just work all the time. Um, and so managing the expectation that, Hey, this might happen. So people don't freak out like what's going on. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. we'll um, but if they know that it's going to, it may happen. And then they're like, Oh, well, you did mention that. So people are a little bit at ease when you, and I think for life in general, if, if people's expectations are managed, yeah. you'll never be in trouble with them because it's like, you know, um, and then, you know, micromanagement, things that are taken for granted on the America, European side of, you know, I just send you a little email and it will be done. But on the African side, people don't work through email. People mm, work true. to face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so you could send a million emails, but until we've met face to face, it's not probably not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's great, actually, because if people also want to experience, if they wanted to experience America, then stay in America in a way. Like, it's the same thing about going on holiday, right? If if all you want is what you have at home, then, sis, you're in the right place. Stay there. Don't pay X amount of money to go anywhere else. But you have to want to um, also be part of that culture. You have to want to see how the other half live. Um, but without, and I, and I think this is also what I really, 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 really love, um, about what you do is you're not just taking, you're not just bringing people from the other side of the world to come and enjoy African culture. And uh, you're also giving back your, you know, through your nonprofit. Can you tell me a little bit about the work that you guys do, um, with the youth and with the options, is it educative? Is it mainly financial support? Like, is there any hands-on stuff that maybe some of the people that come from different parts of the world have to be involved with? Um, how does that actually, how does that work out? Uh, yeah, so the, it's all of the above. It's, um, educational, um, there's financial support, there's mentorship support, but the main focus is on education because we feel like that's how the cycle of poverty can be broken Mm. through, um, the youth and education and, you know, in African households and culture in general, there's so much of an emphasis on school and not education. Oh, say that one again. (laughs) (laughs) There's an emphasis on school and not education, meaning people are so obsessed with degrees and statuses and not what you actually know and what you can actually buy, which is why the concept of turning your passion into your profession is foreign, because it's not about education. It's about, well, what school did you go to and what did you and it's like, no, what do you actually know and how can it be applied? Yeah. Um, and so we we partner with different, whether it's orphanages or elementary schools or resource centers, but we have certain, there's certain centers that are similar to like orphanages that bring kids off the street. Um, and a lot of these children are just created, uh, blessed creatively. They can write, they can sing, they can dance, they can do all these different creative things, but they have no idea of how that translates into an actual living or how that translates into they're so passionate about it, but they have no idea. Their mom is a bread seller or their dad is um, 
you know, a cattle, he, he herds cattle or, um, you know, they're, they've never seen anything outside of what their parents do functionally. So that's all they know. So we have people that can come and mentor, whether it's graphic designers and the tech space, we have people that do app, a computer lab, we built two construction for two different centers, um, computer labs in Ghana. We have a dance center in um, Zambia and in um, Kenya. Um, there's a, a stem cell technology resources um, in company in, in uh, Tanzania that we work with with the kids. So there's different um, places that we do stuff with the kids. But because dance is our passion, a lot of times when we go, we end up dancing with them. But outside of just the dance, um, we have the, the travelers that come that have different skill sets in the different areas that the kids are interested in. They can mentor some um, sponsor the children. Let's say they want to sponsor them for their school fees. Um, some also donate for food because a lot of times food is an issue as well. Um, there's so many kids to feed and like, you know, a hundred dollars goes such a long way. Yeah. Um, even five dollars goes such a long way. It just depends on what we're, we're using it for. But um, but yeah, so that's what we we do a lot of things based on education. Um, and we have kids from the U.S. that come every year um, to teenage um, kids in secondary school that they come to be with other teenage kids um, on the continent and they have a cultural exchange and they're able to help build. They were able this year to help build the computer lab to put down the blocks and like actually wow. physically help to build the computer lab. So they oh feel a little more connected to it. Oh my goodness. This is really powerful. I mean, this is beyond just dance. Let's think about, it. you know, like this is, this is huge. This is the work that people want to hear about, but they don't know where to find information or how, like, you know, there might be people thinking, I want to help in some way. I want to, I want, I want to be part of that. I want to give back. I want to teach my, because sometimes, you know, like you say, money is, can be a problem. Food can be a problem, but there are kids also who are creative, who need to see how other people make money from creativity or who need to enhance their skills within whatever it is that they are blessed out or gifted um with and this is huge this is massive like I'm just in awe of like all the all the things that you're saying so casually I'm like does she understand how much of a difference she's making this is massive this is really big I mean surely this must feel very fulfilling for you that you're giving back in such a you know this is what money can't really buy if you think about it because you could just could just say hey you guys come to Ghana let's do a seven-day retreat let's have a great time da, 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 bye but you are you are you you are laying foundations you know even just by being just by what Kukua Fitness and the non-profit and just by being you just by doing what you do so naturally there are people watching these kids are watching these kids are thinking maybe one day I could do that you know yeah. or just the fact that you're literally changing their lives, you know, on both sides, <laughs> you're literally changing lives. You're giving people perspectives. That's huge. Money can't buy that. Yeah, no, it's true. You're right. That's why I said grateful is a, is a national anthem because we're just so grateful that we even 
have resources or connections to even help because we're not rich, but we're rich in other ways. Um, so we are able to help. We're just happy that we're able to help. Yeah, I love that. I love that about you. I honestly do. <laughs> I want to know how I can get involved, actually. Oh, I also need to come. I need to come on a retreat. Like, it's about time. Like, I need to I need to come on a retreat. I don't know what I have to do. Give people massages, whatever. I'm like, I'll be your physio for the retreat. <laughs> I'll do all the stretches. <laughs> I'll do all the massages. Hey, I'm there. <laughs> Are you somebody who enjoys looking after your Body. If you didn't already know, through the London Physio, my very own brand, I have now released some fitness products that are practical. If you're somebody that travels and someone who loves working out at the gym or you love working out at home and you love using your own products, then these will definitely be for you. We have all sorts from double-sided gym mats to foam rollers to massage balls to resistance bands, the long ones, the short ones, the loose ones, the glutes bands, weighted skipping ropes, we have them all. So if you are someone who really enjoys looking after your body and you enjoy having lightweight products that you can take with you wherever you are, then these will definitely be for you. So if you want to get your hands on any of our products, my Linktree link is linktr.ee forward slash Joy Agude. That's J-O-Y October Golf Umbrella Delta Echo, where you'll find all the links to each and every product. I hope you enjoy using them. And if you do, don't forget to leave us a review. But let's talk about the nutrition aspect because I feel like nutrition is such a big thing for you. Um, one, because you studied it, but also in the lead up to that, the, the reasons why you kind of, you found yourself down that path. Um, so without asking a specific question, can we, can we tap into, you know, how important nutrition or how fundamental it's been to your, your journey so far? Yeah, I actually didn't value nutrition as much as I did um, working out. I thought the, the ratio of what mattered was different. Um, I'm sure you probably heard of the 80-20 um, whereas it's 80% nutrition and 20% working out. And I thought it was the other way around and, and working out is extremely important, obviously, because that's what we do. You, what goes in your body, if you can't even move, like if you're, you're actually ill inside, which also shows on the outside, you can't even move. Yeah. You don't have the energy. You don't have the physical, like it just, the nutrition is literally everything. Um, it can reverse illness. It can cause illness. Um, and so, yeah, my leading up to realizing that it was so important were two very big things. One, I so I have an extreme sweet tooth. It never went away. I still have it. I just have control. I was threatened with diabetes if I didn't get it under control. And so there was that. And then my sister has an autoimmune disease called lupus and she was given two weeks to live. And so, um, my mom actually healed her holistically through nutrition. And so, because, cause I saw that in front of my eyes, literally like magic, her going from near death to fully living that also influenced me as well. So my personal health scare, and then my sister's, um, death scare, pushed me into 
okay, Cass, you need to prioritize. Like, um, if I had to write a book, it would be called What Sucks More. Because like, I like the title. Don't be giving that title out for free, sis. You better go copyright or something. Like that. That's a pretty awesome title. Because I feel like it's that way in life. Uh, like you know, you're like, well, it sucks to pay attention to what I'm eating and have to monitor and stuff, but it also sucks to have diabetes. Right. Right. Um, yeah, it sucks not to have cupcakes every day, but it also like sucks to be a cupcake. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, it's like there's, you know, there, it's, it just depends on what sucks more for you yeah. and that you choose your path. Yes, we do. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's essentially what it was for me. It was like, OK, Cass, well, that sucks, but this also sucks more. So let me choose the best of the worst. Right. Um, and so, yes, I realized that nothing and I say it, nothing tastes as good as healthy feels. And so, yeah, there was, it goes back to what sucks more. It just doesn't, there's nothing that can give you that feeling of, of energy, of feeling alive, of feeling just well, right. um, no, no cookie, no cake. Cause that, those are my things. Cookies, cakes, mm. bagel, those things. You and I can't and hang yeah. out then because <laughs> cheesecakes, All of these vanilla things. ice cream. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, no matter how good those tasted, it, it it wasn't my motivation. The 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 craving that I have for that, mm. my craving to be well in energy and have energy and have long life was greater than my craving for that. Yeah. Um, and so the reason why I'm able to have control is because my my craving for my wellness is greater than my craving for those things. So I still, yes, have those cravings for those things and I have them every now and then, but um, it's not part of my lifestyle like it was before. So that's why I'm able to have control now because I chose, chose what makes sense for me. What sucks more? <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's a decision, a subconscious decision uh, that we all make every single second. Everything you do sucks less. Exactly. Period. Exactly. The, you know, from things like, do I snooze my alarm and, you know, just wake up in 20 more minutes or, you know, like I'm a, and this is digressing slightly, but I'm a morning person and I'm a night person at the same time. I'm a couch potato and I could be someone who gets up at 3.45 in the morning to hit the gym. I'm both. Um, but in that moment, the decision that you are making sucks less, period. You just don't see that the, I can never say this word right, repercussions, repercussions? Yeah, repercussions. Yes, yeah. you just don't see that in that moment, the repercussions of the decision you're making is worse than the one you're not making. And my dad, this reminds me of a, a conversation I had with my dad, actually. I, I don't know if you know, but my, my daddy, my dad passed away in 2021. Yeah. It was so close. And uh, I actually filmed a YouTube video with him that I eventually made private. It was, it was public initially. And I thought, no, this is, this is like a core cool memory now. This is me and him. Um, and we talked about diabetes. So when I heard about your sister and I saw the pictures and I heard about, you know, you being told about being pre-diabetic, it just took me back to that time. And like I was, when I was growing up, my dad used to have like cigarettes everywhere. Like he was a 
you know, businessman. He had like all these people from Europe coming to our house. So there were like cigarette, um, cigars and like ashtrays everywhere, everywhere, all around. Like I didn't have toys growing up and we didn't want for nothing, but like, I didn't have toys either. Like it wasn't like a playful home. It was like just my dad was into his business and, and that's just how the house ran. And he used to smoke so much. Like he used to smoke about 60 cigarettes a day. Just yeah. from meetings and and this guy was active. He was very active. He never worked out as such, but his younger years, he was a boxer. And so he was always on the go, you know? Um, and he and when I made that video with him, I was like, Dad, what happened? Like my childhood was just the house was always full of smoke. Like his friends would come, there'd be cigars, and and he literally was like, When you're faced with the decision of this is now the path that you're going down. So he was diagnosed with diabetes. Okay. Um, and this is the path that you're going down. And the doctor tells you, listen, it's not just about the diagnosis. You could lose your thumbs, your your toes. Thank you. you could, right. You know, and this is all for me and sugar. And you're just sat there going, is it that, do I really like sugar that, do I like the cookies that much? <laughs> or do I like yeah. my toes? <laughs> you know, and, more, yeah. Right. And he was like, there were times when I was too young to remember. There were times when he would walk up the stairs and just by going up a flight of stairs, he's like, oh, like he can't breathe. And he's like, hang on a second. I know I like my cigars, but do I want to be able to walk up and down the stairs or not? And every decision we make, eventually pretty much boils down to what sucks more, like you said. Um, but I want to I wanna just go, you know, circle back around to your sister's diagnosis. And even when you had your pre-diagnosis, um, because we can talk about it in hindsight, but the reality is when you're having to go through that, when you're having to make that decision, that's not a good decision to make. Um, and there are some things that you can't make a decision about. For example, watching your sister go through an autoimmune disease. Like that's not something you can be like, okay, I'm going to stop eating sweets now and then everything will be okay. It's like, no, there are certain times when life decides that this is what it's going to be. And there's uncertainty, especially if a doctor tells you, mom, your daughter's got two weeks to live. You know, what was that period like for you? Because obviously looking back, it was such a pivotal moment, um, you know, in sort of going down the route of studying nutrition, changing your life, turning things around. But what was it really like in the darkness? Like what, what was that, what was that period like? How old were you? What was the conversation at home? I, I saw that you'd sort of written half a eulogy. Like what, what was that? Where was your mind? You know? It was really hard. I mean, the fact that I just was like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to have it. You had to get in my mind that I probably won't have my sister anymore. And then and then being hopeful because my mom was like, no, there's a way we can heal her. Um, and then again, people laughing and like not believing in her again. Like, what are you doing? You're not a doctor. She's like, I know, but this is what God told me. This is what we're going to gonna do. We're going to follow the holistic doctors and we're going to do. And, and the way that my side note, my great grandmother, great, great grandmother is a great, 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 my, my mom's grandmother. Uh, great so your great grandmother, yeah. Um, lived to be 120 and told my mom a lot of different uh like African health secrets, but she has a book called African Health Secrets because of that. But just yeah, ways in which you know, like basic things of of rem natural remedies from the village and from growing up that heal you. 
Um, so a combination of that with what my mom learned at the holistic conferences, she would go to different conferences and pick up different ways in which you can heal yourself through nutrition, which which motivated me to go back to school for nutrition. And what's funny is a lot of nutritionists don't even know about nutrition. Right. Um, because nutrition is obviously food, but there's so much other things connected to it. There's food with mood, there's food with blood type, there's food with, there's so many different aspects of your eating and what agrees with you, what doesn't. Um, but during the time of, of my sister um, going through what she went through, it was like a wake up call for me. Cause if you don't get it together, Cass, you're next. And so, yeah, it was just a huge wake up call, if anything. Um, that's what it was synonymous with. Like it was sad, but it was a like an alarm. And then seeing her get healed through nutrition was like a miracle. It was like going to a miracle Sunday service or seeing a genie with a wand or something just <laughs> transform. Because that's what it looked like in front of my eyes. Like she went from paralyzed to walking. She went from eczema to clear skin. She went from no hair to hair, um, like a magician, but through nutrition. And I saw it like right in front of my eyes. And so, and, you know, all the doctors, I mean, we had police come to our house. What? The doctors were like, if she dies, because, because my mom took her out of the hospital and said, you guys said she's going to die. I'm going to take her out and heal her the way that I know. At least I tried. Yeah. And they said, if she dies, it's on your hands because you took her out. Were you in the U.S. then? Were you in uh, Ghana in the U.S.? U.S., yeah. I was actually in uni and I came down. Gosh. So how old were you and how old was your sister at the time? She was like 17 going into 18, which is why she couldn't do things herself, like why my mom had to check her out. Right. Okay. And I was like 19. So I was like first year, second year uni. It's like all coming together. But um, I was in uni and then I, I was about two and a half, three hours away from um, home. So I came back home for a little bit. Wow. But um, yeah. That's insane. You know, the thing about faith, like I'm a very spiritual person now. I've always, without knowing what to call it, like in the past, I've always had this power to manifest things. I've always been able to see things happen before they happen and not see it necessarily. It's almost like, um, see it is the way to explain it in words, but like I live through it before it happens. Like I, I'm able to hold a certain faith that something will happen and I, I just wouldn't shudder, like that nothing anyone can tell me you know, would make me shudder. And and this is one of those conversations that I feel like, honestly, I just want to have with your mom because there is just so much power in being able to see something before it happens, despite what everybody else is telling you. And you are holding on to that vision, but the reality is in our human bodies, we don't know for sure. But there is a part of you that's just like, I saw that vision. I'm not letting it go. And despite the fact that she didn't have any medical sort of knowledge deep enough to kind of logically 
in some ways, reason why she should take her daughter out of hospital and feed her all these things that grandma, her great, her grandma may have told her, but never really, like she's never been in a position where she's had to use it and to know for sure that it would work. There is so much power in that. Yeah. And I just, I can't even fathom it. Like when it comes to life and death, that's something entirely different. You know, knowing fully well that if this doesn't work, you will hold yourself guilty for the rest of your damn life. And then you have another daughter to look after. And I just think the amount of power that she had to really hold, the amount of faith that she had to really hold, has she, like in hindsight, because we now know that it worked out, but has she ever sat you down and spoken to you about it? Or have you ever even reflected yourself on how the energy was in your house at the time, how you were feeling, how she was feeling, what the conversations were in inside, because obviously nobody else on the outside believed it was possible. You know, have you, have you ever sat down to just reflect back on what was truly transpiring around that time? Yeah, I think, um, it was the level of conviction that my mom had in terms of faith and and that it was a godsend mm-hmm. um it was a it was a directive from god and from for her because she's like this is what god told me to do like this i can hear it clear as day and that's what i'm doing so i don't care what you guys say because god and i had a conversation it grew us our faith i mean so many people didn't believe even my own dad was like why did you take her out of there? I was kind of of the same way. Like they said, she's going to die anyway. Why not try something else? You remember uh, thinking that at 19? I remember thinking wow. that. Like, I mean, we were, I was nervous, but I remember, well, what else are we going to do? Just twiddle our thumbs while she passes. Like, why don't we do something since Dr. Doomsday said, you know, this is going to be. And the reason why I said Dr. Doomsday, because they're so quick to just say like, yeah, she's gonna die. Like they and they said it right. And you don't shouldn't say it in front of the patient. But they were like, start preparing the funeral. You know, start looking at caskets. I used like saying that in front of her. Um. So my mom was just like, I'm not listening to Doctor Doomsday. We have you know other ways in which we can do it. So my dad was like, you're not a doctor. That's just. And she was like, well, you've heard what the doctor said. So if you want to go that route. So they were arguing with it. It was tension and stuff. And um, I was just, I think it grew my faith because um, my mom's faith was so strong that this is going to work because she's like, this is what God told me. So it's going to work. Yeah. And it did. It actually did. Even the Dr. Doomsday was like, what happened? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was wrong. Right. <laughs> I, I got it all wrong. And my bedside manner needs work. Really? <laughs> you don't uh, say. <laughs> yeah. But it was sad seeing my sister in such like a vegetable state. But then seeing her transform was just like, wow. I mean, I. There was no other option but for me to be better and get better. Yeah. Uh, and so, and my mom actually shared the whole process. She has a book and a program 
sharing the whole entire process of what she did. Oh, really? Okay. So she, I know she's got four books. So which book is that in particular? <laughs> yeah, Zuri. So it means to be healed in Swahili. Okay. Kwa Vizuri. Kwa Vizuri. Yeah. So I yeah. Love that. Kwa Vizuri. Okay. Okay. Because nutrition is everything, you know, nutrition. I I heard you say at one point that, let me, let me think about the exact term that you used. Um, Something about if your food isn't your medicine, your medicine becomes your food. Is that it? Is yes. your food isn't if yeah? Do you tell me? Because <laughs> oh, I'm just making means. it up. <laughs> that's what it means. Yeah, but I, don't, I, mean, I don't even remember when I said that, but I've written that somewhere. <laughs> yeah, like if uh, your food is not your medicine, your medicine is gonna be your food someday. You know that's what it is. Again, yeah. what sucks more? So right, <laughs> right. You need to so, write that book. Yes. <laughs> Once you start seeing, and what we said, life is all about perspective. Once you start seeing food as fuel, um, you look at it a little bit differently. Like, what am I eating that's actually going to, like, help me? Mm. Um, what am I doing that's going to fuel me? So when you look at food as fuel, and then if you, and also when you look at food um, metaphorically as well, um, food what are you eating spiritually? What are you eating relationship-wise? What are you eating? So food has to be fueled physically and metaphorically. Yes, absolutely. Let's talk about that because your energy is unmatched. You know, I felt your energy in real life before, obviously. <laughs> Do you remember like even pre-COVID, the last time we met, oh my goodness, the folly in London. Um, I think it must have been... No, was it? No, yeah, yeah. So, no, no, no. It wasn't pre-COVID. It was during COVID. It was? Yeah. So I think it must have been 20... I think I a timing a blur. I know. I feel like it was 2020. I actually feel like it was that oh. early. It, yeah, I think it was 2020. It was, I think it was during. It was during really? COVID. I, I feel like it... Oh, I don't... Okay, I'll, I'll go back and look at the pictures. I didn't make it to UK. I feel like I didn't make it to UK until after yeah I don't I don't know if I I think 2021 I was in UK but 2020 I'd left London by 2020 that's why maybe it was the beginning of the maybe it was before COVID like January oh maybe then maybe then maybe then okay but I will go back and look at the pictures but the point I'm trying to make actually is that your energy is unmatched. You are, I swear to God, like you are this light. There is just something about you, you know, you're magnetic. And I just remember seeing you that day and just thinking, oh, if I could just have this all the time, like, you know, there's, there's certain people you need in your life, like with that energy that, and for me, because I'm an energy field, like I'm all about how I feel around people, how they feel around me. It's not even about what happened, you know, because sometimes you don't know what happened. Like sometimes it could be the food they ate or whatever, but you just don't know. But in terms of how people feel around you or how you feel around them or how exhausted you are afterwards or how elated and happy and just energetic you are afterwards, it was all the positives with you. And I know for a fact that if someone is like that, there is their source is different, period. Whether it's their source of food, the people they surround themselves with, like what they're reading, whatever. Where does your source of energy come from? What are the um, 
conscious things. I feel like there's so many subconscious things that we might do to feed that. But what are the conscious things, the conscious decisions you make about people, places, food, about the things that are coming into you um, that keep you so giving? You know, and not to say that you're like that all the time because nobody is, right? But how do you fill your cup? What are the things you do that other people like myself can can steal, you know? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think what you said. <laughs> G- give me the tips, honey. <laughs> fill the juice. Uh, I think what you said about decision, like with with um joy and happiness um it's a, it literally is a decision because and even motivation because we're rarely motivated like the we we have uh discipline and we have commitment but motivation i feel comes from those things and so saying this to say that you literally have to choose and make a decision like I'm going to be your joy. If your joy is conditional, you'll rarely be happy because Wahala happens every day in different forms. Right. So your joy can't be conditional. It has to be a state of mind and a decision. So once the conditions are out of the picture, you can be joyous regardless of because your focus, you've made a decision on what to focus on. Yeah. So you're like, okay, this wahala is happening, but this is like, I remember we had a traveler who fell in the gutter. She, she, she landed in Ghana only, she was only in Ghana for like an hour, fell in the gutter, broke her leg in all kinds of ways. And she said, you know, she was like crying and like, oh my God. And then she goes, but I'm so happy that I have this leg. (laughs) <laughs> this happened on one of her legs yeah. but her focus was on the leg the that didn't leg. <laughs> and it was such a clear representation and then she was focusing on all the people who ran down the street to pick her up she's like they make me feel like a queen her focus was on that not her leg not the broken leg yeah which everybody's other focus would have been on that but it was such a clear illustration to me on focus and what you choose to look at. Um, and so the source of my happiness or joy um, is never conditional. And so, and I don't want to say never. I take I, I take that back. It, it doesn't depend on conditions. Yeah. There's conditions that make me happy, but there's a lot of conditions that don't make me happy. Mm. So I have to choose to focus on the good. Um, and that's even when people ask me like, well, how is it living in Ghana or Africa in general? Like, isn't there so much Wahala and this happens and that happens? I said, yes, but my focus is on the the amazing things. My focus right. is on the pros, not the cons. So it's like the glass half full, half empty kind of thing. Absolutely. Um, the things that bring me joy, obviously, are dancing. Like, I feel like I'm on immediate vacation when I dance. <laughs> I mean, it's funny, you can't be upset when you're dancing. You have to stop nope. dancing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's a source of joy. I like massages. I love massage. I don't know if I told you that. I absolutely love. Well, this is why you need to get me on one of these freaking. (laughs) I'm just trying to come for free, girl. (laughs) I'm like, I'll work. I'll do hard work. I will give everyone massages. (laughs) I will work. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> that is something I used to get a massage every single week. I now it's like that. every other week, but I love massages because it's relaxing. Because yes. well, the type of massages I like are relaxing. Some like more of a torture chamber, but I like yeah. like more, uh, relaxing. Um, self care. It's self care. Self care. Yeah. And then children being around, helping children and being around children. I mean, they they just real make you realize what things that matter, things that don't matter. Um, that brings me joy to being around the children, especially the ones from the foundation. And that brings me joy. Um, and yeah, seeing other people happy or knowing that, that, you know, somebody didn't want to get up this morning, but maybe they saw our video or something that makes me happy or that gives me motivation to keep going if I don't feel like it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, the sources of, and travel. Travel also makes me happy, too, because you get to see life from different perspectives and different views and lifestyles. So Absolutely. Do you know what I love about that? Like the way that my brain has summarized that is, uh, number one, happiness is free. It doesn't need to be conditional. That happiness is really a state of mind. Like, you know, whatever emotion we're feeling, happiness, joy, same thing, actually, sadness, anger, fear, they're all physical states or like an emotional state that transforms into something physical. And the way that you've described it is by saying, my happiness is something I choose in the moment. It's not, it's not, tied to anything else you know and even thinking about the example you gave about that woman it does it's not to take away from the fact that her right leg's broken now you know but the left still down works you know you know and it's just kind of like you could choose to see the bad or you could choose to see the good because also the other thing about that is bad and good are neither here nor there like things are just are you know, the weather's cold. The weather's meant to be cold. It's the weather. You know, people are dying. They're meant to die. I'm sorry. Like, these are the things I'm having to teach myself. And it's only through my grief and through my healing and through this quietness that I'm really getting to understand and listen to, you know, people like you really, because everything you're, you're spitting facts, girl. <laughs> like you are, you are giving, you're feeding my soul. Like, literally what you just said now, those are the kinds of things I like to hear because I'm like, you could, if you look, you don't even have to look really deeply. You don't have to try hard to find all the bad happening. You know, if I, if I wake up in the morning, there's so many, I could be like, my dad died. So many <laughs> you know, I'm broke. Dad, like literally there's so many things. Nobody like, oh, right. Okay. Like my friend. Okay. Yeah. My family. Okay. There's so many things you can add to that card. But at the end of the day, when you realize that even if you got all of those things back, it doesn't necessarily change your state. What changes your state is your feeling about the thing that you've got back or the thing that you've lost. So technically, it's not whether you have or you don't have. It's not whether you're surrounded by people that love you or not. It's actually whether you want to be happy or you don't. You know, and I just, I find it so powerful when people talk about happiness being a choice because some people find it offensive. They're like, and you don't know what's gone wrong in my life. You don't know why I'm unhappy. And it's like, but hold on a I second. I don't need to know. You don't I need to know, need to right? 
I just need to know that you're making a decision to look for the brighter side. Right. It's a decision. And I love that you've shared that because people will see you and think she doesn't have problems or everything's perfect. And it's like, no, she's choosing to be happy. (laughs) (laughs) You're choosing to have a peace despite the problems. Like it doesn't mean your life is void of problems. It's just you're choosing a peace despite them. Absolutely. And I just, I really love, I really love that that answer. Thank you so much. It's when I hear some gems, I'm like, I have to highlight that because even when I listen back, like when we're editing the podcast, I'm like, I didn't hear it in the moment. Like I heard it, but I didn't hear it, you know? And when I hear it in the moment, I'm like, girl, do not forget this. And hearing it from you is a reminder as well, because when I look at you, I see me, I see a black woman. We're around the same age. I'm 30, I'm 36 this year anyway. Um, and I just, I, I, I see, I see you doing things that are beautiful, that are free, that are outside of the box that we're supposed to be fitting in. You know, I see you living your best life, you know, choosing to live your best life and and leaving your mark in the process. And these are footsteps that I would like to follow because when we look at ourselves, we never quite see what maybe the things that we're doing right, but we look at other people and think she's she's got that to a T. You know, I I want to do what she's doing. Um but to hear you talk about it being a choice. It also means that, you know, people like me can hear and be like, you know what, regardless of all the things that things that have gone wrong today, it's a choice. That reminder is so needed. So thank you so, so much for that. Now I have one question for you. What's a boomsy? <laughs> what is a boomsy? Because only you guys use that term. <laughs> well, literally, it's a, it's your it's your butt. It's your yeah. <laughs> And in the Caribbean, um, my Trinidadian friends use it quite often. A lot of West Indian cultures actually use that term. Okay. But that's when my mom first learned it. Because um, oh, okay. one of my friends is, is from Trinidad. But um, metaphorically, um, she uses it as moving your your core, moving the, your, the core of your body. Because um, when you move your boomsie, if you think about whining, when you whine African style or twerk African style, or when you move your boomsie, literally, you're, mm-hmm. you have to move your core. Right. Um, you can't whine standing up straight. You have to actually kind of bend your knees slightly. You have yes. to isolate your pelvic. And so when you move your boomsie, you actually move your core of your body. And so when we say move your boomsie, we also metaphorically mean get up and move yourself. Right. right. But literally we're saying like, move your, the core of your body um and which is your which is your ass move it yeah and, and so you can translate that to mean i gotta get up you could translate yeah. it to i gotta grow get my core stronger but that's what it means in all kinds of ways <laughs> yeah. i love it because like you say there's just so many interpretations but it just means move the one thing it has in com- in common like the common denominator is you, you you can move. And I think that's what I also really love about Kukua Fitness, because like you said, you know, when mom went to America, they were doing all the jumping jacks and everything else. It's all good. People can do hits, people can do, uh, you know, gym stuff. But there are people, 
in different parts of the world, including the West, you know, who don't want to go to the gym, who don't have access to certain things or who actually just want to be in the comfort of their own home. And I think what I really love about, you know, your boomsy, moving your boom, and even just the words and how playful they are and stuff and, and how the, your content is shared is you can get up right now, wherever you are for free and just do the dances, right? And it doesn't need to be perfect. It just needs to be movement. And as a physio, I approve. (laughs) I approve. (laughs) And literally, I just love that, you know, what you're giving people and what you're gifting them is fitness is free. Health is free happiness is free. You know, it, it, you don't have to buy expensive avocados or whatever the case might be, but I love, I love the gift that you're giving us beyond great content and, you know, just sunshine and, and light and everything else that you, you know, um, you're actually giving us, but like beyond that, you're teaching us that we can get up and move right now. And it could be for five minutes. It could be for 15 minutes. It could be for an hour. It could be whatever, but dancing is free. It doesn't take anything from you. Like you said, you don't even, you can't be upset when you're dancing, you know, you can't. And I, I see the happiness that comes through when you were mom. Like, can we just talk about mom's like 65? Like you, you and mom are doing these dances. I'm like, wait for me. Wait for me, sis. <laughs> I, I can't keep up. Like I've tried some of it. I'm like, how are they doing the coordination so quickly? Like I can't, you know, but you know what, what's amazing about it is I feel so good afterwards. I just feel so amazing. So thank you for all that content. And I honestly, I would say that anyone who has not, um, you know, seen any of your, first of all, can we, let's just shout it out. KukuaFitness.com, K-U-K-U-W-A. <laughs> Go and check it out. Like, I just think it's, it's just so amazing. So thank you. And people can do, um, I I take it you're not doing classes as you were before now because you're traveling. So how can we are traveling? I mean, we have some pop-up classes coming up in U.S. because we're in U.S. right now. Yeah. We have some pop-up classes coming up in U.S. Um, And then when, whenever we're in Europe, of course, we'll do some pop-up classes there, but um, online is the best way to get us at all times. So yeah to Google Fitness YouTube. And then we also have um, our online streaming app, which has thousands of, of more content. That's but so it's cool. on Amazon, on Amazon Fire Stick, on Roku, and just also that. streaming online. So that is so awesome. You've made it so accessible that it's kind of like, you know, how could people not even want to? The content on YouTube is free. There's lots of free content on, on Instagram as well. If people want to travel with you, they can. If they want to see you in real life with the pop-ups, they can. There's literally no reason. And you know what people are needing right now, myself included, is the right community. Like a lot of the time we're all within this communities that we have been thrown into because of family, because we live there or whatever, but finding the right people that would lift your spirit, make you feel like you're part of something that wouldn't judge you, that have been through a lot of their own history medically and, you know, they have their own, but everyone's coming together just to have fun, you know? And I I, I honestly want to say this to anyone out there that is needing community, 
this is the kind of community you want. If you're in your house and you're thinking, oh my God, I have no friends or I have friends, but they don't make me feel great. And I want to be around like-minded people. This is what we're talking about. This is what you need to be joining. This is what, these are the accounts you need to be following on Instagram. This is what you need to be feeding your mind and your soul. You know, definitely check out cuckooafitness.com. And you're on Instagram as Coach Cass Fit. Yes, I'm But if you follow Kuka Fitness, you'll find me. Yeah, easily. Can't miss you. (laughs) Can't miss you, sis. Now, let me let me just thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. It's I can't believe how early it is, you know, and I'm just for you, you know, and I'm just so, so grateful. Like this means so much to me. Number one, as soon as I reached out to you, girl, you were just like, yeah, I'm doing it. Thank you for that. And then also just thanking you for finding time. Time is like the number one most important, you know, commodity right now. Thank you for finding the time. Thank you for, you know, just being patient, you know, and thank you for sharing your wisdom. Thank you for sharing your energy. Thank you for sharing your light. These are the sort of things that right now, even in my personal life, outside of content means the world to me, like you can never even imagine. And I'm just so grateful that we've had this conversation today. So thank you. <laughs> to share something that that has been literally taking over my, my uh, life, spirit, everything is the word perspective Mm. because everything in life is perspective whether you're whatever religion you're in whether it's the bible whether it's the quran whether it's hindu whatever everything is based on the perspective in which you translate it and the lenses that you're wearing and so um i just think everything in life is based on perspective and so we have to be very intentional with the lenses that we look through Um, and so that has been overtaking my life in terms of when something tragic happens or even good happens, I'm very particular about, okay, what perspective am I seeing it from? Mm -hmm. And then being sensitive to other people's perspective as well. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Woo. Give me a minute. (laughs) (laughs) I am so fragile nowadays for so many reasons. And, um, there are times when people say stuff and I just hear my dad's voice, you know, like there are just times when people say, and not necessarily hear his voice. I think that's how I'm expressing it. But like, I just know that I'm in his presence and he's, he's gifting me that message directly. Yes. I need a minute. (laughs) That was so powerful. I've always respected you. I know that we don't, we don't really talk like back and forth a lot, but to be honest, I don't, I don't really, with a lot of my friends that I would consider like really good friends, like I'm not like every day in their DMs. Like, do you know what I mean? Same here. But I, I have always respected your being, your presence, your, your, you know, you, (laughs) there's no other way to put it because it's more than the word you, right? And, um, Everything you've shared today has just been so powerful. I have no words because I'm also still just trying to process what you said. And you're right about perspective. Um, And I honestly just want to add to that because I think that, 
you know, especially because I was saying that I've, I've just been listening to this podcast where, cause I consume a lot of other people's content and, um, where you are, the message was about the water or the reflection, you know, um, what I want to add to what you've said, you know, the life that you're living is all based on you. When you talk about things you like and things you don't like and why, why things bother you, you know, the word bother, there's something about it. You know, when you don't have money, it's like you're bothered. You can't pay your bills. When somebody's driving too slowly in front of you, you're bothered about it. When the weather's hot, you're bothered about it. And it's like, actually, really what that means is your perspective is biased, but in a negative way. Your ego is looking at life from how it affects you as opposed to looking at life as it should be. Somebody may be driving in front of you slowly because they're having a heart attack or they've just received a phone call from somebody about someone's just part. You have no clue. But in that, in that instance, you are thinking it's affecting me because I can't get to where I want to get to. Look at me. I'm just a mess. I'm just crying. I'm literally just wiping my nose, my literally. Um, and you know, I, I think why that hit me as well is I'm at a point in my life where I'm spending time to heal. I'm spending time to gain wisdom, I've quieted the noise. And we talked about us meeting in London, you know, up until that point, my life was all go, go, go. And I don't just mean living in London. I mean, like from my childhood up until that point, the only time that I actually started to quiet down was after COVID when I moved, I moved out of London. I was like, I'm not working like a maniac anymore. Um, And in the process of that, my dad passing away and everything else, it's really got me into a, a tight, spot where I have no choice than to listen, to actually connect with myself. But that comes with a lot of other things. It comes with not working like a maniac, not making money like a maniac, you know, and this, this message of perspective, I needed to hear it today. I actually cried before our podcast, you know, and I just needed to hear that because I know it to be true. And it's what I tell people but I think my dad just needed to remind me again, you know, that you are in this spiritual space for a reason. And it's again, taking myself out of it because it's not just my message. I'm just so glad that you've shared it for whoever, the 10, 15 people that might hear this, for whoever hears it, it's not just a message for me. You know, it's a message for anyone who is meant to hear it. And it's such a powerful message. And I'm just so grateful, you know, because you are the kind of person that people look at on Instagram when she's happy, she's doing this, she's doing that. But she's like, no, it's perspective. It really is. It can be a boundary or it could be a breakthrough. Right. It's like, what do you, you choose again, what you decide to be. So when you said you're in traffic, you're thinking about all these bad things. So you choose all these boundaries or you can choose it as a breakthrough. Like, okay, there's traffic on this route. So it's going to force me to discover another route. Right. And it's more of a breakthrough. So perspective. Or I'd I'd use that time to just express gratitude. You know, seen as I'm driving a bit slower, let me just express some gratitude that I have a car. Or talk to God or talk to whoever you talk to, but like you right. now have extra time. Maybe you didn't have the time before, but now you have a little extra time. 
Right. So thank you for being you and, and thank you for, for the gems that you've shared and thank you for making time for this. I really appreciate it. Um, I wasn't expecting to cry. I've never cried on my own podcast before, except for when I talk to myself. <laughs> I didn't bring any tissues. So I'm a mess. <laughs> so it's time to turn the camera off. Because <laughs> we're not having this. <laughs> yeah, no, but you're human. It, it helps. Oh, it's relatable my, and it helps. Yeah, absolutely. I want to give you the biggest hug, the biggest virtual hug. I really do. I love you from the inside out. And uh, thank you for being you. And thank you for sharing your story so vulnerably. Um, and yeah, I mean, if there's anything I can do outside, offline, you know, I'm here for you. And uh Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, my sis. Thank you very much. Thank you so much to every single one of you who watched or listened till the very end. I'm just so excited and I feel so blessed that we got to have this conversation. Obviously, I have wiped my tears. It's been a few hours actually in between filming the podcast and doing the outro just because I found it so emotional at the end. I had to just take a minute. I really did. And I've cried once. One, one more time since then. <laughs> so in total, I've cried three times today, but it's just been such a beautiful, beautiful conversation. It was so needed for me, as selfish as that sounds. And I just hope this is my, my dream with this podcast is that wherever you're listening to this, I just hope it's what you need to hear and when you need to hear it. You know, I really hope that these conversations are reaching the depths of your soul. And if they are, then let me know, you know, let me know, leave reviews, especially if you're on a podcast platforms, please leave reviews. That way I'll be able to know that you enjoy the conversations or you want more of these kinds of conversations. And if there's anything I can do personally, hello, I'm a life coach. Get, get in touch, honey. Absolutely. I would love to help you. We're all learning and we're all growing together. And I look forward to spending the rest of the season with you doing exactly that. See you in the next episode.